The identity of Satoshi Nakamoto, the supposed founder and creator of Bitcoin, is one of the most revered mysteries in all of cryptocurrencies. Our next guest claims that he knows Satoshi very well. He's well acquainted with who he actually is, and he has proof and evidence of why he thinks this particular person is Satoshi. We'll get into that with Kurt Worker Jr. He is a Bitcoin historian, and he has followed the crypto markets for many, many years and has an inside track on who Satoshi may really be. Kurt, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Kurt, let's talk about yourself first and why it is that you've become known as the Bitcoin historian. And we'll talk about the uh, rest of the story as it unfolds. I, I guess the shortest answer is I've been around a long time. Uh, I've, I've been a Bitcoiner since 2012. Uh, I've been involved in infrastructure consulting. I ran a mining operation in 2013 to 15. I've uh, been in software development, cybersecurity, uh, but always had uh, Bitcoin as one of the things I was up to. I'm also in, was involved for a time in like mining Ethereum and Monero and some other things. So I just kind of have a, a pretty wide grasp of, of the crypto space. And um, ultimately, I, I work as a as sort of a storyteller now. Uh, I, I get to sort of right the wrongs and, and talk about all the stuff that people don't really talk about anymore. But I, I experienced a lot of it. I know a lot of the people that uh, are big players today from back when they weren't much. And um, yeah, mm -hmm. so I, I, read a, I read a column. I, I do a weekly live stream take live Q&A and, and I like to tell the history. So that's what so I you're am. Like, you're like me, you're a journalist focusing on the crypto space with uh, obviously a more storied uh, history, uh, pun intended, yep. of, uh, of following the space and uh, much more knowledgeable than I am, uh, I'll have to admit. <laughs> so uh, Kurt, let's talk about how it is you follow the space. So uh, primary information, you have a lot of uh, 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 contacts within the space. Tell us how it is that mm. you become acquainted with uh, people like Craig Wright. Sure. So uh, in 2015, uh, the Bitcoin scaling war got really heated up. So it was big blockers versus small blockers. How should Bitcoin scale? What is Bitcoin even for? And, and there was uh, basically just a, a long, long fight. It's still ongoing. Um, ultimately, uh, Bitcoin split into BTC and Bitcoin Cash. And then the Bitcoin Cash community split up into BCH and, and BSV. I'm a big BSV supporter. Uh, by default, because I like big blocks and BSV is, is the biggest block implementation of Bitcoin, which means basically it has the lowest fees and the most capacity. It's the most uh, frictionless version of Bitcoin to use in commerce. Uh, it's closely associated with Dr. Craig Wright. And so I've just kind of become a, a, a friend, colleague, acquaintance by de facto. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was not my first choice of, of guys to just, you know, be friends with and hang out. But we just we happen to agree very fundamentally about the Bitcoin protocol. and so. Here we are. All right, we're going to talk about BSV uh, towards the end of the interview. But let's, uh, before we get into the case, who is Craig Wright? Well, Dr. Craig Wright is the chief scientist at a research and development firm called Enchain in the UK. Uh, he's one of the most decorated cybersecurity professionals of all time. He's an author, he's a, an academic, he's a, a whole bunch of things. And I happen to believe that he is also Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the case first. So the recent uh, case involving uh, uh, Craig Wright and David Kleiman. Yep. Um, now, the Miami jury did rule in favor of Dr. Wright. Give us a mm -hmm. primer and backstory of this court case. Sure. So in 2013, uh, Dave Kleiman died. Uh, Dave Kleiman was a mostly unknown computer, uh, computer scientist and, and uh, digital forensics expert. He wrote a few white papers with Craig Wright. Uh, the, the biggest one was the drive wipe fallacy white paper. 
Um, but ultimately, Dave was a, a pretty simple dude from South Florida, uh, w- worked well, did did his stuff. He was well known in certain circles, but um, he, in, in fact, called himself some guy named Dave. And this was in stark comparison to Dr. Craig Wright, uh, who was his best friend in life uh, and a colleague in a great many things. They authored uh, books and white papers together. Uh, but when Dave died, um, Dave's brother, Ira Kleiman, got it in his head that, that Dave must have helped Craig create Bitcoin because they partnered on so many things. And ultimately, uh, after a couple of years of bickering, Ira, representing the Dave Kleiman estate, sued Craig Wright for 1.1 million Bitcoins, which is an estimate of how many Bitcoins were mined by Satoshi Nakamoto in the first uh, two years of Bitcoin's existence. And it's, it's been in litigation since 2018 and just wrapped up on Monday of this week. Okay. Now, did Kleiman assist Craig Wright in writing the original Bitcoin white paper? So maybe not in writing. It's actually a little unclear. Craig Wright was happy to admit that Craig uh, wrote. Yeah, go ahead. uh, Continue, continue. Yeah. So Craig Wright was happy to admit that Craig wrote the original draft or drafts and that it went to Dave for final editing. And this was their ongoing longtime relationship is that Craig would write out some high-level computer science academic mumbo-jumbo, and then he would give it to Dave because Dave was really good at translating high-level stuff to something that could be read at a lower level, a little more generalist. And so um, that's what Craig said he did with Dave, and and there really wasn't any evidence to the contrary. Um, Obviously, Ira Kleiman is saying, no, 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 like Dave helped code, you know, write the first Bitcoin code and, and helped write the first white paper and blah, blah, blah. But uh, ultimately, the evidence for that was non-existent, and ultimately, Craig Wright was vindicated in in that. Well, Kurt, my earlier question rested on the assumption that Craig Wright was indeed the author of the original Bitcoin white paper. Do we have any evidence of this? So, uh, we have sworn testimony of a number of people who saw it. Uh, there was Don Lynham from Australia. Uh, we we had notes from Alan Granger from the accounting firm BDO. Uh, these were minutes from 2007 on BDO letterhead that was entered as evidence of basically Craig explaining the timeline that he would write the white paper and, and issue code. He was actually attempting to make it a BDO project and, and BDO uh, rejected it, which is why Bitcoin became uh, w- what it was issued by Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, there was tons of email evidence. Uh, there, there was lots of emails between uh, Dave and Craig talking about, hey, you know, what, what should we should we call it? Bitcash? Should we call it Bitcoin? I I, I need your help with some of the trimmings here. A um, lot of stuff like that. A lot of stuff entered into evidence. A lot of sworn testimony. Uh, we also had sworn testimony of cryptographic proof from Gavin Andreessen, who was the lead developer of Bitcoin after the exit of Satoshi Nakamoto. And people contend that um, uh, Gavin has has reneged on that, but. I, it, it came back up in court under oath and he said, no, I, I didn't like the way that I was treated, but ultimately I believe that it's much more likely than not that, that Craig Wright is Satoshi and that I saw a cryptographic proof of him having Satoshi's keys. So what do you mean by cryptographic proof? So it is a little bit computer science-y, but if, if you have private keys and, and a public key pair, you can designate a message. And if everybody knows the public key, uh, you can decode the message using your private key, showing that you are the holder of a specific private key. Uh, this is commonly used or used to be more commonly used in PGP, uh, which is a concept that made its way into Bitcoin. 
Um, so rather than moving coins, which is one way to, to prove that you can uh, control coins, is to give a pre-designated message and prove that you're the one that can decode it essentially with your private keys. So it's a little bit complicated, but in math circles, they, people would agree that that is an attestation of identity or, or holding a certain private key. This is what I'm wondering, and we can talk about the history of uh, the founding of Bitcoin up until the court case. If, mm -hmm. if Dr. Wright wanted to be anonymous, which I presume he did because he chose a pseudonym of Satoshi, why mm -hmm. is he coming out into the limelight now and fighting for uh, yeah. his right in a very public way? Sure. Well, to, to be fair, it was pseudonymous. So he, he was not trying to be anonymous, but he was trying to be private. So he didn't want to be a public figure. But uh, as we learned in court, there were, a, 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 you know, 20-ish people who knew that he was working on Bitcoin and knew that he was basically Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, so it wasn't something that he was he was hiding per se. Um, th this included family members. This included work colleagues. This included uh, employees of his. Uh, accountants, and in fact, the Australian tax office. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, what he didn't want is to be a media sensation. And ultimately, the way that things came out, um, it, it, we discovered in the case that the doxing of Craig Wright, which is a pretty famous event, uh, late 2015, Wired and Gizmodo magazines um, published a story saying Craig Wright and, and maybe Dave Kleiman are Satoshi Nakamoto. Craig was never sure where that information came from, like how it leaked out. But that's when he became a public figure. We discovered in this case that it looks like Ira Kleiman, in concert with a couple of employees at Craig's uh, companies in the, uh, the country of Australia, as well as working with the Australian tax office, seemed to have basically colluded to out Craig as Satoshi Nakamoto to put public pressure in order to actually build up precedent for this lawsuit. So it's a, it's a, it's a weird one. <laughs> this, yeah, let, let's talk about the details of this lawsuit. So. Kleiman yeah. versus Wright. It was ruled in favor of Wright. What exactly did he win? Let's be specific here. So he was being sued for, depending on how you measure it, somewhere between $300 and $600 billion worth of intellectual property value, uh, bitcoins, and, and all, you know, and plus punitive damages and whatever else. Um, ultimately, Ira was saying that uh, the intellectual property that, that helped create bitcoin helped create. Bitcoin mining software, and then ultimately made it possible to mine Bitcoin was created at least 50% by Dave. Uh, in the trial, like we had nothing but circumstantial evidence of that. And, and ultimately, it, the, the burden of proof was not met, uh, according to the jury. And, and the jury thought that it was very clear that, that while Craig had the ability, the credentials, the time, uh, and evidence of Craig working on these things. There was just no evidence of them working on it together mm. until a very late stage. The only evidence was essentially, hey, Dave, this is basically ready to go. I could but, really use you to edit this white paper. Maybe help me bootstrap it. Like, hey, maybe you can help mine, but not mine in a partnership. It's like, hey, man, fire up a laptop, mine it. We need nodes and you get paid to mine. So um, it seems very much like good friends uh, who did work together, sort of, but they were definitely not a, a legal business partnership. And, sure. and that's how the jury in Miami found it. Well, skeptics of Dr. Wright would say that uh, the, uh, the trial proved that, well, I guess the outcome of the trial proved that Kleiman did not, in fact, work with Wright, where at least there wasn't enough 
substantial evidence to prove that Kleiman worked with Wright, but it doesn't prove that Wright worked on this alone, right? That, that is what critics say, absolutely. Um, I, by the middle of this trial, and I, I was at every single day of the trial, there was 15 days of, of, of trial, there was seven days of deliberation after, there were a couple of holidays spotted in there. Um, it was a good 75 hours or so of watching evidence and testimony. And by about four or five days into the trial, I, I started to, to say publicly, man, if Craig Wright is not Satoshi Nakamoto, he's been pretending to be since like 2006 or seven. Mm -hmm. and has done almost nothing else since. It, it, it's frankly, um, I, I don't know when he would have had time to do anything else if he was not Satoshi. Like the, the whole thing just really doesn't make any sense. Uh, and ultimately the, the attorneys on both sides and all of, the, all of the research that went into this, I mean, Ira Kleiman was able to procure funding in order to get this litigation. So yeah. there has been a, a very serious group of people researching this case before it went to litigation into litigation. There was multiple rounds of settlement discussions that went in before this actually went to trial. And over the course of about three, three and a half years before this went to trial, everyone that looked at it said, absolutely, it is worth suing Craig for Satoshi's fortune. So mm -hmm. um, either everyone's a fool or, or there's at least as much evidence as is needed to say, hey, man, we're going to spend $50 million to try to get this multi-billion dollar fortune. So... What's interesting to me is that nobody else that I know of has come forward to challenge Craig on his on his ownership, right? No, no serious candidates. There's there's, you know, a goofball here and there that pops up, but their, their stories fall apart very quickly. Uh, and any real analysis of any other plausible Satoshi candidate falls apart with about 30 to 60 minutes of, of real research and looking at time and place and their basic skill set or the way that they communicate. Um, you know, some of the things that make sense about Craig being Satoshi are the fact that uh, he is a Queen's English speaker. He's, he's Australian, so he speaks with uh, the tongue of the Commonwealth, which is something that was very notable about Satoshi. Saying words like bloody as an adjective is, is something that you would get from an Aussie or, or, or a British person. And, and that's, that's how Craig speaks. Or someone uh, there's pretending also... to be a British person. It, it, perhaps. <laughs> but then there's also things like the background and like, math, economics, statistics, and, and all of these different things. Like Bitcoin is, is a polymaths invention, and, and Craig is one of the very few people on earth that has both the cryptographic experience, but also the economic experience to have come up with even the idea with any real authority. Well, just to uh, play devil's advocate, and I'm not the only one with this, uh, with this question, is if Craig Wright were the original, or if he was the original uh, founder of Bitcoin, if he is actually Satoshi, wouldn't he have the keys to the original coins that he mined? Like why, why does he need to go through a trial to prove that he is the, 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 the founder? He could just access sure. those coins, right? Uh, to, to, to be fair, he didn't want this trial. He was sued. So C Craig okay. would have very much liked for this trial to not happen, I'm sure. I understand, yes. Um, He's he's become a, a more litigious character uh, over time as people continue to uh, say that he's a fraud and he, he just keeps saying, OK, well, sue me, I guess. And um, but but yes, it, in, in the most simple sense. Right. If you're Satoshi, sign or, or, or move coins. They're your coins. Right. Uh, but but one of the things that came up in the trial is the fact that um, they're not Craig's the person. They are Craig. Uh, as an officer of various business entities. And and some of these coins are also held, or quite a bit of the coins are held in trusts. And these trusts uh, specifically are set up so that Craig is not a trustee. 
and a lot of this is is for protection reasons um and 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 just legal you know taxation and and stuff like that so he's said from the beginning um hey i didn't ask to be outed i was doxed um i don't really owe the world anything um i i gave the world bitcoin and and if you don't want to believe me i don't care i'm not asking for anything uh-huh. and so he's um you know particular about his privacy and i understand that that can come across as convenient but but ultimately, uh, since uh, 2017, when these things um, start, when this case started, is roughly when uh, Craig started to become a contentious public figure. And so when people say, hey, move coins, he's had to say they're under litigation. Like, I can't move assets under litigation. I'm going to get nailed for conversion or, or whatever else in this trial. So uh, really, Craig has only had these coins unencumbered since Monday. <laughs> so uh, that's, And he was that's- hacked, you mentioned to me offline he was he was hacked uh at least twice that we're aware of so in 2014 among the ato investigation it looks like employees of his company uh basically worked or colluded with the australian tax authority uh and his servers had to be rebuilt from scratch so that was a major point where there was document loss and and all metadata basically is is updated to 2014 making it very difficult to prove uh, time and place of files that happened before that point. And then he was also hacked again, I believe it was early 2020. Uh, he became aware of a very sophisticated attack uh, on his private server that may or may not have destroyed uh, his private keys, but at the very least they were compromised. And, and that was a major, the major issue for him. Uh, he actually has not made it clear uh, whether the keys were destroyed or if they're just mm-hmm. compromised or whatever. But he's he's been in court to try to figure out, hey, what is what is the legal ramification? How do I protect myself in, in this precedent setting situation? Just, just <laughs> sidestepping for a minute. Maybe if you know the details, can you explain the details of how his keys were hacked? Because a lot of people watching the show who are crypto investors might be wondering, OK, what can I do to prevent that from happening to me? So I'm actually a cybersecurity expert myself, or, okay. or at least I was a professional myself. So okay. I, I want to say that everyone is hackable. Uh, it's it's about cost benefit analysis. So if you're very rich, then it makes sense for hackers to to spend money trying to hack you nonstop. The the best advice is look poor and keep your stuff offline. <laughs> um, for Craig, what it looks like happened, there was some kind of listening device that was put on his home network. So he had somebody maybe come in as a contractor, maybe it was a staff member in in one of his homes or something, but somebody connected a listening device to his home network that was listening for for passwords. And, and ultimately at some point a password was put on the network, it was key logged and it was, it was sent out to some malicious actor. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a very sophisticated attack. It would have required physical entry to his home uh, or access to his network. So it could have been, could have been somebody pretending to be from his ISP or, or, or it, we, we don't really know, but it was discovered. Right. Well, yeah. fast forward to today, does Craig now have the right and the ability to move Satoshi coins? It would seem so. Uh, I, I don't know how long the appeals process, like how long um, the, the plaintiffs have the opportunity to appeal the decision uh, from the court case, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. And as I understand that, it's, it's very customary to make that announcement very quickly well, upon judgment. These coins, are they currently being held in custody somewhere? No, they are held, uh, as, as far as we know, they, they are the property of Satoshi Nakamoto. According to Craig, they're held in custody of this trust and or various business entities. But, but, but somebody has those keys, right? Presumably. 
<laughs> we we believe they do. I believe they do. People people argue that they do not. People would say that either they're destroyed, they've been damaged, and and they cannot move, or uh, people have said that they've been damaged. Craig never had them at all. Well, so a, a digital file, it's like a corrupted file, right, okay. for example, would I would see. mean that your password is is gone. Yeah. Well, well, hackers better get to work. Find those keys. Um, <laughs> Craig Wright owes $110 million uh, according to the trial outcome. What, what does that mean exactly? What, what, why, why does he owe $110 million? So ultimately, there were seven counts in the trial. It included uh, fraud, conversion, civil theft, uh, breach of fiduciary duty, etc. Uh, Craig was found uh, on one of the counts to have uh, converted assets in, in a way which was uh, not, not good. He was found guilty okay. on, that, on that point. Um, the conversion of assets, however, were the assets of W&K Corporation. So they were not Ira Kleiman's assets. They were the assets of a corporation that appears to be owned at least 66, but maybe up to 75% by uh, the Wright family. So mm -hmm. it would be Craig Wright Investments International. Uh, his wife, Lynn Wright, was very often an officer at uh, the companies that he set up. And then Dave was legitimately a 25% owner of that company. And so the $100 million that needs to go to W&K Info Defense, uh, at most, it looks like about 25% would go to the estate of Dave Kleiman. But ultimately, this $100 million was, was procedural. And the jury made it very clear we're not assigning punitive damages to that. We believe it was a procedural mistake and not a malicious action on, on behalf of Craig Wright. I believe you were with Craig Wright after the uh, hearing ended, right? How did he feel personally? How did he... Uh, w w did he perceive this to be a victory on his uh on his end man reading reading the 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 verdicts down the line uh you could see craig very visibly breathing a sigh of relief leaning back in his chair like rubbing the top of his head with both hands like very very excited it was stand up shake hands hugging uh craig was very excited about this i mean he could have essentially lost a 600 billion dollar fortune right uh, so to only pay 100 million dollars uh, was a was a very serious outcome and the plaintiffs uh, looked, I mean, they, they walked out quietly. It was, they felt it as a loss. You this could it. make him probably one of the richest people in the world, right? The outcome, the verdict of this trial. It, absolutely. I mean, if these coins are unencumbered um, I, on paper, yeah, he, he is very much one of the richest men. In, in theory, he could be the richest man, depending on, uh, I haven't checked the charts this morning, so. <laughs> well, I wonder if he was the guy that bought pizza with Bitcoin, the first transaction ever. That was somebody uh, else. Actually, that, that's a that's a known person. So oh, that's, that's Laszlo. Okay. His name is Laszlo yeah. Hayek. You're right. Yeah. Uh, it was a known yeah. person. BSV. Yeah. Let's talk about BSV real quick. What yeah. is it? You mentioned earlier in the interview mm -hmm. that you're a believer in BSV. Why? So BSV is the unbounded Bitcoin protocol. Uh, it is the most scalable blockchain in existence. It has the lowest fees. Every single thing across the network is proof of work. So essentially, Everything that you've ever heard that was really cool about Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, is done better, faster, cheaper on BSV. So this is smart contracts, tokenization. You can actually put applications like full, juicy, functional apps up in the Bitcoin stack. You can monetize all data. It is a data storage uh, solution. It is a very, very unique blockchain, but it is uniquely scalable. In fact, there are more transactions some days on BSV than there are on the rest of the entire blockchain economy combined. And it's because right. it scales, it does what it says it's going to do. And ultimately, it is just a re-implementation of what Satoshi Nakamoto created, meaning 
that the rest of the blockchain economy really never needed to be invented at all. We could have just stuck with Bitcoin from day one. But it was delisted by a bunch of exchanges, right? Why, why do they do that? A uh, couple of things. For, first is is drama with Craig Wright. Uh, people okay. don't people don't like being sued, and when uh, when Craig starts threatening to sue people, there was definitely a circling of the wagons uh, by Binance and Coinbase and and Kraken and a few others. Yes. Uh, but ultimately, these these are the people that are are kind of colluding to to sue him again. So this this COPA, the Crypto Open Patent Alliance, has come together to sue him basically in order to prove that he's not Satoshi Nakamoto. So there's, well, that, there's a real ax to grind there. That, that, that leads me to my ultimate question as to why there is this other side. I mean, look, I'm not playing one side or the other. I'm just saying you're, rep you're representing one side, one point of view, which is that Craig is Satoshi. And of course, there's the other side that he is not. But if you're going to argue that Craig is not Satoshi, well, at least present an alternative to who mm -hmm. is actually Satoshi. So... Uh, again, so far, I haven't heard of who that person may be, the real Satoshi. May the real Satoshi please stand up if you are watching this. But uh, I'm, my question is, why, why, the, uh, why the dissent? Why the disagreement over the evidence that at least you have presented? Sure. Uh, I, I think the, the best thing to do is to look at Coinbase's public offering documents. And they listed a few reasons why it might be a bad investment to invest in Coinbase or cryptocurrency in general. And their main point was that Satoshi Nakamoto is the largest holder of Bitcoin. And if he were to reemerge, he would have so much control over the markets that he could dump the entire market down to basically zero. He could make it a valueless investment. And so there's a gigantic existential risk that if Satoshi mm. Nakamoto does not believe in the investment thesis of, of all this stuff that they've built, that, that he's a very dangerous figure to their wealth and their power. And what and what they've been doing, and and I, I don't blame them. Uh, so if Craig Wright um, is Satoshi Nakamoto and does control those keys, he said plain and simple, I do not like that it has become essentially Ponzi scheme, illegal gambling. He does not like the tax evasion aspects of things that that have occurred in in the blockchain economy. He advocates for a micropayment system that disrupts global commerce. He wants people to build businesses that couldn't exist without the technology. And nobody's doing that. They're building exchanges and, and basically unregistered banks. Right. And, and these are the business models that have been created. So uh, the white paper that uh, Satoshi wrote uh, advocated for a peer-to-peer -peer system, which ultimately became Bitcoin. Do you mm -hmm. think Bitcoin has kept the original framework with the original intentions of Satoshi, or do you think it has evolved in its utility? Uh, no, in fact, I think it has devolved. So if you look at, at BTC, uh, you know, the, the whatever it is today, $55,000 or $50,000 today in, in coin price, uh, it's, it's changed immensely. The, the fees have gone up. It has become less useful in business than it was a decade ago uh, and ultimately has had everything stripped away from it that didn't make it uh, a good investment for the, the venture capital partners that, that have turned it into what it is. And yeah. what it did is it created the opportunity to create other coins to trade. So this is your Ethereum, sure. your XRP, et cetera. So now you're creating market opportunity to play with volatility. And that's what the people really want out of it. They don't see it as an op op opportunity to, you know, make some data intense business and, and create a data integrity opportunity that you can sell back to the economy. That's a lot of work. You could yeah. just buy a coin, wait for it to go up, sell it or, or, or do something else with it. And, yeah. and you're very rich with very little work. And so, well, um, the peer-to-peer -peer cash system part, I think, has been um, 
heavily ignored and it's to the detriment of, of the whole global economy. It's, it's an amazing invention and we're not using it. It's really unfortunate. Well, let, let, let's go back to that risk you mentioned earlier. If Craig Wright were actually Satoshi, do you think he would dump the majority of his coins? He may. I, I mean, when, when he's been angry about people's attitudes, he's threatened it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when somebody calls him a liar and a fraud and a scammer, he's like, you know, I could I could wreck this entire industry and I don't. Mm -hmm. So um, he, he he may. I mean, if, if he owns the, the assets, he has every right to. It's his property. Of course. Uh, but but I don't think, you know, when, when he's when he's in a, a, a normal mood and, and in a normal business situation, he looks at it and says, look, it may be one of the richest men in the world. I don't want to destroy the world or other people. What was the but, market value of his coins again? Supposed uh, ownership of uh, his coins? So at the peak, um, I think they were worth about $75 billion okay. of just the coins that we know that Satoshi has. Right. So, yeah, pretty, okay. pretty good chunk of change. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah, life could be worse. Um, let's end it here, Kurt. So mm -hmm. I'm going to give you three possibilities, and we're going to just evaluate each one quickly and maybe assign a probability. I mean, just it doesn't have to be exact hard, you know, science behind the numbers, just, you know, just less than 50, greater than 50. So there's basically three outcomes from, from what I've gathered. Basically, uh, Satoshi could be dead. Uh, Satoshi could be somebody else besides Craig who wants to stay anonymous because he hasn't come forward to challenge Craig Wright yet. Or Satoshi could be Craig Wright, right? So let's go through these three outcomes or three possibilities. Satoshi being dead, do we have any literature pointing to that outcome? Uh, so Dave Kleiman is dead. Uh, Dave Kleiman helped with the white paper, as I understand it. Uh, there was also a David Reese who helped with the math, uh, some of the, the high-level cryptography stuff. He is dead. And then the guy that actually helped make the software uh, finally stand up, Craig is a, a good programmer, but not a great one. Uh, Hal Finney. Hal Finney made it made it right. actually work, and Hal Finney is also dead. So, okay. um, it's it's like how do you keep a secret between three people and two of them are dead? Well, uh, Craig Craig happens to be in that the position where everybody who seems to know the whole story is dead. So we have well, how Craig. Did, how did the name Satoshi come about? How did that? How did that? Uh, how was that created? Um, so if, if you believe Craig, uh, it's, so Nakamoto is a, is a Japanese economist. He's basically the Japanese, um, Adam Smith. He's a free market capitalist, uh, philosopher. And then Satoshi, I, I don't even know if he was joking, but, but he, uh, said it had something to do with Pokemon and, and whatever else. Craig is a big fan of Japanese culture. Okay. So he, he came up with it on his own. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know any Pokemon called Satoshi, maybe, but maybe I, it was, I, don't, I only know the original 150. I don't know, I don't know about the other ones. Yeah. I, I think he said it was an anagram of the Japanese pronunciation of Ash Ketchum, but this okay. is way All above right. my pay grade. <laughs> okay. All right. What about the second possibility that uh, Craig Wright is indeed somebody else who chooses to stay anonymous? Of course, if that entity or person or organization wants to be anonymous, they're doing a fine damn job i may say <laughs> yeah i mean if if satoshi if the real satoshi's out there watching craig wright and and all of this stuff um i don't know it's 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 pretty weird that he would care so much and build this thing and participate in the community for for two years and and really have a a, a big passion for what bitcoin is right. and then not have an opinion during the right. whole bitcoin civil war and and everything like Man, say something if, maybe if you're he out just there doesn't care. Not. Maybe maybe he just doesn't want the sixty-five or seventy billion dollars worth of coins. Maybe he wasn't in it for that, right? 
it's a possibility, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a human nature guy and I, I don't, I don't see human nature making that a, an obvious possibility. I don't mean to make conspiracy theories, but maybe it's a government entity that wants to remain, you know, uh, separated from, from what, what people are talking about. They don't like the government entity doesn't want to be identified basically. There, you know what? There, there's a million maybes and the yeah. rabbit holes are fun, but I'd rather do it over drinks than over uh, <laughs> over video. Finally, Craig Wright. OK, you've talked about we've talked about Craig Wright um, extensively. What does he now need to do to prove to skeptics that he is indeed Satoshi? If Craig Wright is, in fact, interested in actually proving mm -hmm. that he is Satoshi. I think for some critics, there will never be sufficient proof. Um, but I do think he would win. He, he would win the hearts and minds of a lot of people in the middle by by moving Satoshi coins. I mean, if he were to do that, there would be no reasonable person left who could say that that it isn't him. Uh, however, he's winning tons and tons of hearts and minds now with the proof that we've seen. I mean, there's there's an incredible amount of evidence that we've seen. Just again, sworn attestations, tons of physical evidence. Uh, sworn testimony from from people who he's done signings for privately, um, but but yeah, I mean, as a as a fan of all of this, and as someone who you know, I'm a historian, and I get to get a big bump and talk about really cool stuff when it happens. It, yeah. It'll be a pretty big day uh, when and if Satoshi coins move and and all of that. All he has to do is move one coin, right? Once Satoshi, he can make a a twenty five cent transaction, and <laughs> that is That's what right. it is. Yeah. All right. Kurt, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Excellent insights. Great history lesson from the Bitcoin historian. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. And thank you for watching Kiko News. I'm David Lynn. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel.